Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Well, a pleasant good evening, everyone. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on 960 AM WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on our free WSBT radio app. Also, we have a video feed of our studio right now on the Twitch app. Eight minutes after five o'clock on this Tuesday, September the 5th of 2023. My name is Darren Pritchett. My co-host this hour is ABC 57's Allison Hayes. Allison, good to see you once again. Boy, we have a lot to talk about today, don't we? I tell you what, I was thinking earlier today, this time last year, the Irish are 0-2. Wow. Having just lost to Marshall, the starting quarterback was injured. So much goes into... An 0-2 start, but of course you got a first-time head coach. How is he going to deal with it? Right now, even though they played two inferior opponents, it feels pretty good to be 2-0, and this fan base is in a better mood than Clemson's fan base. Uh, absolutely. LSU's fan base, and maybe TCU's as well after their loss to Dion. So I don't care who the 2-0 is against. This is a much more comfortable situation to be in than where we were last year. Absolutely, and... Uh, just the difference, I think, too, is they're not just beating, they're not just winning barely 2 and 0. They're dominating a team that they should dominate. And we've not seen that from Notre Dame in years. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this game on Saturday. I know I was on the Hey Horka live YouTube show with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Horka. And we both have the same feeling. The Irish are going to score more than 30 this Saturday. And we both think they're going to win by double digits. Ooh. I feel good about that right now. I know the spread's like seven and a half, but I saw NC State against UConn, and I don't want to just go 
all in that NC State's average, but they were okay in that game. But I was disappointed in their defense a little bit. Armstrong wasn't clicking like I thought he would in the passing game, and they couldn't stop the run. This just in, you're going to have problems if you can't stop Notre Dame's run. So I feel good about Saturday. And you had some feelings about this NC State team early on, especially in the summer, like watching and knowing that they had Armstrong coming in, that this could be a a tough, tough game for Notre Dame. It's still... Could be and probably will be, but it'll be our first real test to see where Notre Dame really is measuring stick-wise. They have two really good corners that Sam Hartman has thrown interceptions to in the past, so I don't want to say it's going to be easy. NC State has the potential, but if Notre Dame plays to their level, I think this is going to be a very happy fan base on Saturday. Well, we've got plenty to get to. We actually have full two hours of sports beat tonight. Because we have the Marcus Freeman show tonight from 7 until 8 o'clock. That moves South Bend Cubs baseball to 96-1 the ton. So you can hear South Bend take on Quad Cities from Four Winds Field on 96-1 the ton. Pre-game at 645 and the first pitch at 705. But we're focused on Notre Dame football here on WSBT Radio tonight at 7 o'clock with the first Marcus Freeman show of 2023. So that one-hour program coming to you here in just a little bit on WSBT Radio. We're talking all things Notre Dame football, including in the 6 o'clock hour. I'll be joined by Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. We'll talk about a 2025 quarterback recruit. It might be down to two quarterbacks that the Irish will be picking from in the 25 class. We're going to talk about one of those in our segment in the 6 o'clock hour. Plus, Jerome Bettis Jr. was in town last weekend, but he was here on business with Dad, not necessarily on a recruiting visit. Mm, So we'll get into some of those details, but I have a feeling that commitment might be coming very, very soon. So we'll get to some Notre Dame football recruiting talk coming up with Mike Singer in the 6 o'clock hour here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Before we get into some Notre Dame football topics, I think we have to start with this. Acknowledge what we saw last night. The Duke Blue Devils, a team that I will raise my hand that has mentioned several times this offseason they went 9-3 and three last year under former Notre Dame defensive coordinator Mike Elko, one of the great coaching jobs of last year. And I've also mentioned this team might be better this year, but the record may not be as good because last year they didn't play Clemson, they didn't play Florida State, and they didn't play Notre Dame. All three are on this year's schedule. Well, excuse me, because Clemson looked horrid last night as Duke Thumped them in Durham 28-7. to Now, knowing Notre Dame's going to play both of these teams, all of a sudden, is now Duke the more dangerous game? When you factor in it's after Ohio State the week after and Clemson's later on in the year, I mean, I am stunned with what I saw last night. The Clemson dynasty, it sure seems like it is over, at least for now. 
It's definitely tarnished. And to say that about Duke, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, that could be a trap game. Wow. It's no longer yeah. a trap game, though, because Notre Dame knows they're going to have all the, that video footage. They'll know exactly what they're getting themselves into. So you would think they would be mentally prepared to not get shocked by what Duke is capable of because they've seen it. It's on full blast for everyone to know that Duke yeah. came to play this season. Yeah. They've got three cupcakes in a row, so that we won't get much more to really build off of from that, but they they looked good, and their quarterback looked good. That run he had, ooh, to start the third quarter, I mean, that was one of the most beautiful runs I've seen by a not very mobile quarterback in the first place. I mean, but, man, he that was a game changer. It really just sucked all of the wind out of Clemson yeah. at that time. He's sneaky fast. I, I, I don't want to compare people because this is not a fair comparison, but I never thought Tim Tebow was fast. Right. But he was just fast enough to get away from people, and that's what comes to mind with Riley Leonard, who, according to Mel Kuyper Jr., the draft expert of ESPN, he's got Leonard as the number three quarterback prospect in the upcoming quarterback cycle, and there are some really, really good quarterbacks in this group. Clemson brought in... TCU's offensive genius, yeah, and that offense, I know they fumbled inside the five-yard line and missed a 23-yard field goal, but Cade Klubnick did not look like an emerging star. I mean, they've had Trevor Lawrence, they had Deshaun Watson, DJU, who they let walk away to Oregon State, who looked very good, by yes. the way, over the weekend, but Klubnick, it feels like he's got a long way to go before he reaches anything close to being a difference-making quarterback. I felt like throughout the game, all they could do was just throw a little bubble screen all the time. They didn't want to throw it down the field very often. So Clemson, all of a sudden, on, on my prediction list, I had Notre Dame beating Clemson, but I I know a lot can change. But they do not seem like a team that if Notre Dame is on their game, Clemson's going to have their hands full with the fighting hours. That just was not an explosive football team last it night. It wasn't. They had no fire in them. It just it felt very flat. And they did struggle. And I don't know if that was a product also of just what Duke's defense yeah. was able to bring and put that pressure on him. But he never seemed, Klubnik never seemed like he was comfortable at all throughout that game. And if you can't get into a rhythm, then, you know, the offense is not going to get going. And that's what we saw. I'm not getting cocky by saying this. But I was watching the game last night. And I'm thinking back to a couple of years ago when running back Will Shipley was picking between basically Clemson and Notre Dame. And Notre Dame threw everything but the kitchen sink at him in the recruiting process. They wanted him so bad, and he picked Clemson. Notre Dame recovered by getting Audric Estime and Logan Diggs, so it turned out to be okay. And boy, they've added on after that. I mean, look at the running back room now. But Shipley looks like he's on a ship that's sinking yeah. right now while Notre Dame's trajectory is on the rise. I'm not sure I would trade my guys for Shipley now. He's a good player, don't get me wrong, but look what Notre Dame has built since Shipley picked Clemson. I mean, they have added five running backs right now with Logan Diggs at LSU that I'm not sure I would trade for many guys right now or many running back rooms across the country. It's amazing how recruiting just absolutely clicked after Will Shipley picked Clemson. So, I don't know. Maybe down the line he'll regret that choice. But right now, Notre Dame's cruising right along. And I can't wait to find out where Notre Dame is when they go to Clemson. But 
you kind of touched on this, so let me take it a step further. Now, we are in the media. We can jump ahead. Players and coaches can't, so don't yell at us. (laughs) We can look ahead. But Duke is the week after Ohio State. If Notre Dame beats Ohio State, and of course NC State and Central Michigan, they would be undefeated going to Durham on September 30th. Duke has beaten Clemson. They have Lafayette at home, Northwestern at home, and they look like a JV team against Rutgers, of all people. And then Duke goes to UConn, who played NC State tough. Yes. So there is a chance you could have two undefeated teams meeting in Durham, Notre Dame and Duke. I would imagine that would be a primetime game on maybe ABC, I would have to imagine, or ESPN. So Duke has a very good chance to be undefeated going into that game. Now Notre Dame has to get by, you know, two pretty good football teams before they get to Duke. And you have to worry about after Ohio State getting refocused for Duke. But that all of a sudden becomes, I don't want to get too far ahead of things, but a mini little playoff game for those two football teams. Duke's got to be thinking, hey, let's shoot for the stars right now after taking care of Clemson. Yeah, no doubt. If they both come into that undefeated, it'll, I mean, anytime you play Notre Dame, it turns into the biggest game on the schedule, right? And now if you've got both of them undefeated, which very well could happen, especially for Duke with what they've got in front of them on their schedule right now, it's going to be a big time showcase there. It's funny because growing up in Illinois, and I'm still an Illinois fan, they had some tweets put out by their media that in two years, Illinois and Duke play. And it's like, holy cow. But I'm thinking, Mike Elko's not going to be at Duke. Are you Right. I think in December. Yep. Don't you think if he continues to win games like this at Duke, that somebody is going to take a big luggage couple of luggage containers and throw money in it and get him out of Durham to go somewhere else. I mean, I, I think Mike, unless he just wants to stay at Duke, he's going to get a big payday coming up. I don't think he'll be at Duke much longer. Oh, totally agree. And isn't that amazing, though, when you can take a program like Duke that is a basketball school, let's face it, and you can completely turn it around like yep. that? I mean, that is amazing for him and, and shows just what he can do. And if you can do that there, then what can you do at a school where you're – you are a football program yeah. where you do have that support with the recruiting and NIL and all that good stuff. So, yeah, good things to come possibly for Mike Elko. Good for him. Maybe Mike wants to say because those Duke, Stanford, Duke, Cal, Duke, SMU games are going to be must-see TV, right? <laughs> <laughs> Holy cow. How strange. Enjoy them while you have them, right? That's exactly <laughs> right. All right, 520 at Sports Radio 960. WSBT Duke just hammering Clemson last night, 28-7. to Now let's talk some Notre Dame football. Of course, the Irish, no problem with Tennessee State on Saturday, winning 56-3 to move to 2-0 on the season. So, Allison, as you think back to Saturday's 53-point victory, on the offensive side of the football, what stood out for you? Well, once again, Sam Hartman. I mean, he's spectacular. 14 of 17, 194 yards, two touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. Also, just the offense production as a whole. 26 first downs, only one penalty in the game, 100% in the red zone. They controlled time of possession. They scored on the first five possessions of the game. I mean, it was just... And then the running backs. My gosh, over 500 total yards in the last two games. Their offense is clicking on all cylinders, and I put the majority of that on a guy like Sam Hartman, who is 
riding the ship. He is where Sam goes is where this offense is going to go. And, and we even saw uh, one of the guys in post game. Um, he said on defense came over, you know, and yeah. t- talked to him and pat him on the back. Jason Onye, wasn't yes, it? Yes, Onye. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's like, he didn't have to come and do that. And it's like, you don't, you guys didn't have a quarterback that was interacting with all of the players, not just the offense. It's that, that's surprising to me, honestly. You would think that that's kind of that leadership role, especially as a captain, that you would have your quarterback be, you know, the cat. I mean, really a quarterback and captain of the team is, he's a face. He's one of the coaches in a way. So you want that support all the way around but I just think that's cool and I think it's awesome what he's doing there and the way the offense is clicking is just it's fun to watch I saw a list and I think it was from ESPN today and I don't get as excited about the Heisman as other people because the best player never wins it right sometimes a guy like Quentin Nelson was the best player in college football he was an offensive guard so he wasn't going to win it but I saw a list of the top 10 leading candidates and Hartman was not one of them And I'm thinking, what is the criteria? Is it because he played Navy and Tennessee State that he should not be mentioned right now in that conversation? Which leads me to this. I hope he has a really good game against NC State, leads this team to victory, because I'm kind of pulling for this guy, for the Heisman, to be up in the conversation because he has not been here that long and you can tell the team adores him Mm -hmm. the fan base loves him but the fact that the players have bought into him based on his conversation on the dan patrick show i think they make him feel like grandpa on the team (laughs) since he's 24 years old but he's taking care of the team with some of his nil deals he got the guys beats for the trip over to dublin i just think he has earned so much respect on that team and he's only been here since what january right there's some guys that never earn that respect over four years. So I love what he's doing on the field. You can tell he cares about Angeli and Minchie, yes. how they do, developing those guys. When there are media sessions where other people aren't getting asked questions, he's like, hey, ask these guys questions. You know, leave me, leave me out of this. I just love how humble he is. And I root for guys like this because in college football, you watch on television – there's not a lot of humbleness right. anymore. So I really hope he has a good game against NC State because not to be mentioned right now when you've had 12 drives and 11 touchdowns, I'd say you're doing pretty good. Yeah, I know. It's Navy and Tennessee State. That's why have a great game against NC State because they won't be able to say that about you after that game. Exactly. And and you look at other guys who are mentioned on that list, and their week one opponents – aren't all that impressive either. I mean, you look at the USC quarterback and then they played against was it Fresno State and they they had a not a great game against them. So, you know, but he's still in the conversation and so yes, I, I totally agree with you on that. I, he's doing what he's supposed to do in those games also yeah. and he's completely changed the look and feel of this offense and he's another one of the coaches on the sideline worrying or thinking about the future for yep. not just himself but for this team and for this offense and for the other quarterbacks that are learning behind him here's the really good news he still has three marquee games in front of him right you've got ohio state you've got usc both of those games in this building and then you go down to clemson later on this year you put up big numbers in that game everything's going to take care of itself and i know he's not in it for individual numbers but we can cheer a little bit, and hopefully he'll put himself in position to be at least in the conversation going into November. And 
this kind of feels like Brady Quinn a little bit because I know anytime you have a quarterback that plays well, the fans are going to love that starting quarterback. Just like when things go south for the quarterback, everybody falls in love with the backup. <laughs> we want to see the backup. But Brady Quinn had the respect of his teammates, and the fans loved him. He went about his business in a humble way, and I, I think Sam Hartman's following in that path, and that's a really good thing. And they both wore the same – what number did Brady yeah, wear? Yeah, 10. 10, I was going to say. Yep. There you go. So – I'm excited for NC State. I know he and Brennan Armstrong are good friends, and hopefully Sam has the last laugh down in Raleigh. So the Irish defense, Allison, has not given up a touchdown so far this year. First quarter, Tennessee State was hanging tough offensively against the Irish defense, but at the end of the day, 156 yards given up by that Irish defense. Yeah, and that's – I still have some – I just don't feel real comfortable with the defense yet. I, I want to be all in and think that they're as great as what the record and what they're showing on stats um, is, but I have some concerns. I just feel like there's there's some things that are – Haven't popped up yet? Yeah. Yes, exactly. And just I, – I, and against better opponents could turn into problems. But, I, I mean, how do you argue? I mean – yeah. They 110 passing yards allowed over the first two games. Total, 110 passing yards. So that's fantastic. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more pressure maybe put on that quarterback. But I, Botello had his sack. Mm-hmm. and I, He had a great game, by the way. His numbers weren't huge, but he was, he was lights out, really. Mm-hmm. But I'm cautiously optimistic about the defense, as, and they're doing what they need to do. And So you can't complain about it, yep. but just want to see it now in action against some better, tougher opponents. Yeah, I'm – that thing for me is just – the pass rush, and is it going to be able to be effective enough with a base pass rush, or is Al Golden going to have to bring extra hats to get to the quarterback? And we've talked about this many, many times during the offseason. You've got corners that are good enough to stick to the receivers that you can bring more blitzes, but as a defensive coordinator, Al Golden would love that front to be able to put pressure on the quarterback. I think Riley Mills will be able to do that from the inside. Hopefully, Botello can make it happen. We'll see what Jean-Baptiste and Osafa Mensa can do on the other side. But that's the next step for me. Yeah. Can this pass rush do it by themselves, or is it going to take Al Golden getting creative to get pressure on the quarterback? You're, we knew we weren't going to find out about those things against Navy and Tennessee State. But now with Brennan Armstrong, who can run very effectively 90 yards on 19 carries against UConn, not only do you want to be able to rush the quarterback in this game, but you have to do it in a way where you're not out of control because if you give him running lanes, then all of a sudden he's going to make big plays. Like if you go wide and get behind the quarterback, you're leaving a big lane and he will take chunk plays with running the football so you want to rush the quarterback but you got to do it smartly in this game because Mr. Armstrong will say you know what you're going to give me 10 yards I'll just go ahead and run with the football so smart pass rushing is going to be very important in this game and we kind of saw Riley Leonard take advantage of Clemson out of position in last night's ball game so pass rush pass rush I can't wait to see if they can do it all by themselves 
Yeah, and they're the offense for for them last week. He he didn't have a huge numbers, and the no. first half wasn't necessarily the cleanest. But at the end of the day, he got the job done. He didn't have any passing touchdowns, but right, but he had the two rushing touchdowns, and just he did just enough to do what they needed him to do to to get that game and get the win. So we'll see how Notre Dame can adjust to a quarterback that's mobile like that and. Also, with their running back that they have, it's a, it's still it's a tough matchup yeah. in that sense, and it'll be a really good test for Notre Dame's defense. Dual threat quarterbacks have given them troubles in the past, so we'll see what Al Golden can do in year two teaching these guys this defense. Allison Hayes, Darren Pritchett, with you, Sports Beat on WSBT Radio. All right, to our second topic: Notre Dame has played two inferior opponents, and they have handled them easily. Navy 42-3, Tennessee State 56-3. They've outscored those two teams 98-6. So based on the first two games, Allison, have you changed any of your preseason opinions about this Fighting Irish team? I have, but not necessarily because of what Notre Dame has done. More so based on what I just saw Ohio State do and Clemson do in their opening games. Now, granted, again, it's just week one. Sure. Don't panic, everybody. But uh, Ohio State really was kind of surprising to me. I really thought Kyle McCord, like, we knew there was a quarterback battle for them, and we weren't sure who was going to be the guy, but it's still Ohio State, right? Mm -hmm. They are loaded always. And so Kyle McCord gets the call. And he finished 20 of 33, 239 yards passing, zero touchdowns, one interception. And their offense was two of 12 on third down. So you look at the number, you look at the score, Ohio State wins 23 to 3. It doesn't seem as bad as what we actually were watching. They just, again, it was another where... That quarterback, McCord, he never got comfortable. He was under pressure, and he just seemed out of sync, especially on deep throws. So he just never was kind of getting into his right rhythm. And if he doesn't figure that out by the time he meets up against Notre Dame, it really could make for an interesting game. I really thought that that would be a game that Notre Dame would struggle against. And watching that, I was like, oh, all right, Notre Dame – this is, makes for a much better matchup now where I, I don't know who for sure is going to win it, but I think Notre Dame has the advantage right now. Having picked 10-2 and two at the start of the year, winning at Clemson, coin flip game against USC, and I felt like Ohio State would beat Notre Dame, that I don't feel as good about right now. After the first week, and as you said, it's just one week, but teams that did not impress me as much as I thought Ohio State, Clemson, and NC State, the teams that I thought they're going to be this good, they showed up that way, USC and Wake Forest. USC, scoring a lot of points, defense, eh, right. kind of what we expect. Wake Forest, I thought they'd be pretty good offensively. They showed it in the first game. And then I would say Duke and Stanford might be a little better than I thought. Now, Stanford's not going to be better to the point of beating Notre Dame again this time. But they showed some – they were a little more creative offensively than under David Shaw. They're kind of going through a change and spreading the field. Now, they only played Hawaii, but they looked at least a little more competitive. But Ohio State, I've got the Indiana game taped, and I have not had the chance to watch it. I'm just in disbelief. They could only put up 23 points against – Indiana? Right. Holy cow. That's it, that's unbelievable. Now, they did. They allowed that field goal. But even, I mean, Indiana's offense, not great either. Oof. But still, 
they were hanging with them really for the whole first half and just yeah it was disappointing to say the least we'll we'll see I had Notre Dame or yes nine, nine and three to start I had kind of changed that to ten and two as we were getting into it yep. I think I'm still kind of at ten and two because you know there's always I feel like Notre Dame has to prove it to me a little bit in the sense of there's always some surprise game that they should win that right. somebody comes out of the blue and knocks them off and you're like what and it blows everything up and you know sometimes too we are so close to it yes that we can drink the Kool-Aid and you hear the coaches and the players and sometimes we get overwhelmed with all the good we're hearing well all the good we've heard about is kind of coming true at least so far yes over the first couple of games I'm going to be very cautious as I say this because again this is just week one of the college football season that wrapped up last weekend but you think about who we thought some of these teams were going to be on the Irish schedule there's a little path developing to be in position in November to be battling for those four golden tickets. There's a path. Ohio State doesn't look elite dominant number five team in the country right now. Right now. Clemson does not look like a top 25 football team. That can be your toughest road game and it looks a little different right now. USC is USC. I think that's going to be a coin flip game. I think that's going to be one of the big games of the year. And Duke's going to be tough. Maybe Duke replaces Clemson as that third big game. But I'm just saying you don't feel like Notre Dame is going to be overwhelmed in any of these games. A few years ago when they played Clemson, maybe you felt like, hey, Clemson's better. They're going to win. I can't say that right now. Now, once Notre Dame plays NC State and Notre Dame struggles, then... We can re-evaluate the situation, but right now I'm just saying the path looks a little easier than it did three weeks ago. Two things I would like to point out, and one is those field goals that Clemson missed, they were both blocked. They didn't just miss them. They were blocked. I love a blocked field goal. It's like a blocked shot in basketball. It gets me (laughs) fired up. It changes the momentum of a game. But, you know, Notre Dame special teams has been so good. It's different this year. Brian Mason is gone. But we saw a blocked field goal this week for Notre Dame. So this could be another opportunity where Notre Dame can really step up and maybe get a blocked field goal against Clemson. It's just showing they have a weakness there. But the other thing to consider is there is a four-week stretch where Notre Dame plays Ohio State. Duke and USC mm-hmm. that's just a gauntlet and, and people I've seen people on Twitter or whatever you call it now complaining oh you're you know you can't say that about Notre Dame they have a weak schedule well Notre Dame now has four opponents ranked in the top 25 on its schedule and the brunt of it is all back to back to back almost so that is a that's a tough schedule I don't care what anyone says for those people who complain all the time about the Notre Dame schedule I asked them Call your AD of your favorite school and ask him or her to put Navy on your schedule. Right. And you tell us how easy Navy is year in and year out. They don't have a quarterback right now. They're a little down. I'll give you that. But just go out and ask your AD to schedule Navy, and I'll guarantee (laughs) you your football coach is going to be screaming at your AD for scheduling a team like Navy or Army. It screws up everything during your season. And when Notre Dame plays Navy the first game, it always looks so different. They handle them because they have all summer to prepare. Yes. When you do it in September or in October, November, it is not easy. So, yeah, you can talk about the Notre Dame schedule, but have your AD schedule Navy in like October and get back to us how easy it is. <laughs>
<laughs> Love it. It's not. All right, real quick. What immediately comes to mind when you think about this week's opponent, North Carolina State? Well, it, we've kind of touched on it, a measuring stick, yep. true test. Like, the, the finally, we're going to see what Notre Dame does against a quality opponent. And it, really, and seeing Brennan Armstrong, but also that defense. And I know we're going to touch on it more when we talk a little bit later into the show, but I'm really interested in how Sam Hartman handles going up against NC State's defense. He has struggled against NC State throughout his career at Wake Forest. So this will be very interesting for in that respect alone. 3-3-5 defense at NC State will put on the field. I think Notre Dame's going to be able to run it down their throat. They yes. couldn't stop UConn's rushing attack. And UConn's quarterback isn't as good as Notre Dame's quarterback. So if you couldn't stop their running game with their quarterback, I wish you all the best with number seven coming downhill <laughs> at that linebacking core. It is not going to be easy for NC State. So I'm expecting Notre Dame to control the line of scrimmage and have a really good running game. And once you get the running game going, yep. that frees up Sam, and it's going to be a lot of fun down in Raleigh. All right, we'll take a timeout, 538. We have some Marcus Freeman comments to get to as he discusses the offense, the pass rush, and more. As Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on this Tuesday, ABC 57's Allison Hayes. I'm Darren Pritchett. Stick around. More to come here on WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. We are back on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat 544 at WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. My co-host is ABC 57's Allison Hayes, and you will have a pregame show Saturday morning leading into the Irish on ABC this week, right? Yeah, that's right. Levon Whitaker will be heading to Raleigh, and Vahid Sadrazadeh and I will be holding down the floor in studio, and we'll have a great two-hour show, 10 to noon, and we'll take you right into kickoff of the game. So, uh, yeah, you don't want to miss it. And the, in my opinion, my opinion, the best college football broadcast team is going to be doing this game, McDonough, McElroy and McGrath, the two, the three mix. I think they are terrific together. They just put this group together this year. So I think we're going to have a really good broadcast on Saturday as the Irish take on NC State with no hurricane to worry about. Yes, I was at around. that game, and that Were you was really? yes, and it was crazy that we that Notre Dame was throwing and passing so much in the wind, and uh, our poor reporter he came and it was his very first one on the road, and oh, he wore no. loafers with no socks, no, and no extra shoes for the whole rest of the trip. <laughs> so I'll never forget that. I was like, oh. So, so you were the one telling BK to throw the ball, right? <laughs> or were you the one yelling, what are we doing? Yes, run the clock out, run the ball. It's oh, a hurricane. Gosh, unbelievable. All right, well, we don't have to worry about those conditions this time around. Marcus Freeman has played in this stadium going back to his days at Ohio State. Marcus met the media this week. One of the things he talked about was how good his offense looks through two ball games. Give a listen. A lot of different factors, John. Just uh, you know, one the game plan, um, the the people, our players understanding exactly what they're supposed to do, why they're doing it, and how to do it. Um, 
then that's one thing is to understand and then two to go out and do it um I wish I can point to one thing, but it's an entire operation, you know, and, and hopefully there, it's just winning over one play at a time, you know, and, and hopefully when you do that, you're nine for nine on scoring drives in the first half of your first two games. And so that's what I got to continue to just to get them to understand is that it isn't a 28-game win streak for the ACC. It isn't nine for nine on first halves of the first two games. It's just – one play, right? One play, do I do my job um, on that play? And then we got to go to the next play. And hopefully the result of that is another really good first half. It's kind of nice hearing a Notre Dame coach not talk about traits every other word. <laughs> <laughs> Marcus laid it all out. Very interesting comment. So the running back position, we went into the season hearing that all five guys were going to play. All five guys are playing. Audric has a little bit of an advantage in the snaps, and then it gets distributed from there. So are you enjoying, Allison, this five running back rotation, which I think is very unique right now in football? I don't hate it. I don't love it. I mean, I'm, yeah. I love to see that many guys getting touches, but I, I've touched on it before. I, I'm a big Audric Estime fan. I think I'd, I just would love to see him be able to go out there and put up the numbers that I feel he's capable of doing. And, and Grant, he still had a great game and, and MVP and 100-plus yep. yards and, and the touchdown. But I just – he could be a guy who was in the Heisman conversation as well if you let him do his thing. And he's not going to really have that chance when you when you got five running backs in the rotation. Normally, I mean, maybe two, three maximum – fourth guy here and there. I mean, seven running backs got a carry against Tennessee State. <laughs> seven. That's incredible. But I, it's good. Get the, get the three guys that you you know that you're going to be able to really depend on. And then if you need a couple others, then they're in as a backup. But I'd like to see Estime especially just go out there and let them eat. Awfully hard to keep Love and Price off the field uh, with true. their explosiveness. I mean, those guys have home run ability. So is there a part of this offense, after two weeks, you've seen it, we've talked about all the productivity, is there a part of the offense where you're like, hmm, is it going to be this good when they start playing better competition, for example, NC State on Saturday? Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that will it be, will the passing game be as efficient only because of Hartman's history against NC State. So does the, any of that weigh in? You know, there that might be just a little concern. And like NC State had six pass deflections against UConn. They had an interception. Yep. So uh, they have the ability to to dis, be disruptive in that pass game. I think overall, I'm not really concerned. But just in terms of having this conversation for radio right now, that would be my is. Sam Hartman and, and that aspect of the offense passing game going to be as efficient. I'm not 100%, and we'll see that, though, on Saturday. I think overall when you have the run game clicking the way it is, like you said, it will open up that pass game for Hartman to be able to do what he needs to do. There's one thing on offense that I'm still curious about, and that is the wide receiving core against better competition. Will they get enough separation? Separation was always something I focused on last year. Can Thomas get away from these really good NC State cornerbacks? Can Tobias Merriweather 
get enough separation where Sam Hartman can get in the football. That's where the pass breakups and the interceptions can occur if the wide receivers don't get separation. So for me, offensively, I think the offensive line will be okay. Sam's going to be fine, but are those wide receivers going to get enough separation so Sam comfortably can get that football into that catching radius area where it's not going to be tipped or affected by an NC State defender. And that's been a surprise to me, too, so far, has been Tobias Merriweather. I was expecting him to come up bigger, and especially in this last game, because he didn't really do anything against Navy. I thought, okay, this is going to be his game. He's going to be like, even though he's not necessarily unexpected, but after coming off an unexpected not-so-great performance against Navy, I thought this was going to be his opportunity. And again, just was he not getting that separation against Tennessee State? Was he? It seemed like he wasn't getting himself open. It, you know, it, the catches are kind of like where he's, uh, he's not in stride. I noticed a couple of times in that game when he was the receiver on the wide side of the field, so it's the longer throw for Sam, the safety on Tobias's side would play toward the middle. So... Tobias was one-on-one against a Tennessee State corner, and the ball always seemed to go to the short side of the field, more toward Jaden Thomas, more toward Great House, more toward Rico Flores. So maybe chemistry has not been established yet. Mm. I mean, sometimes that happens at different paces or comfortableness. Is that a word? (laughs) Sam being comfortable with a certain guy. Maybe it's just not happening yet. I still think he's going to be fine, but he just – has not found his rhythm yeah. in this offense as of yet. When you're that loaded in that room, though, if you aren't taking yeah. advantage of your opportunities when you have them, those opportunities will be coming fewer and fewer as the season goes along. Let me move along to Marcus Freeman talking about the depth on display over the first two games. I mean, the the ability to play so many guys, especially in the first two games, but this past game is, is going to be – tremendous and I don't know when it's going to be needed but it will be needed it's guaranteed we're going to we're going to have to over the course of a 12 game season you're going to have to have depth you know and and at multiple different positions for me for Steve Angeli to go out and perform the way he did I was extremely pleased all right to go back and I know we kind of talked about it after the game I didn't it was hard to have a great feel right after the game, but to go back and watch it and see some of the execution he made in terms of the checks. There was a third down corner pressure. on. Uh, he checked it to the wide out to Jaden Thomas. It was awesome to, to see him do that. Um, and, and really some of the balls he threw and a couple hits he took. Um, that's the guy that sticks out in my head that was, man, you don't know when you're going to need Steve Angeli, but we're going to need him. And, and Kenny Minchie did a good job in his five plays, right? And I said, he's 100% completion right now. And so uh, that's pretty good. But we will need multiple guys um, throughout this course of the season. And to get them valuable, meaningful reps is, is so important. I feel comfortable with the quarterback backup situation right now. Steve Angeli has done very, very well over the first two games. We'll see if he gets opportunities against better defenses coming up hopefully we don't I mean Sam Hartman is healthy don't get me wrong but Allison what do you think so much depth on display over the first two games is there a part of the football team you're even surprised how deep they have gone so far I not to go back to it but really the running backs I mean I knew there was a lot of talent there but to see I didn't expect them to 
play them all the way they are. And it's just awesome. I mean, do you keep those guys? Do you even worry about that at this point? You just play them and you, you see who kind of rises to the top and the other two guys might end up transferring. But I mean, man, what a situation to have. And that depth is just, it's incredible. That's, that's what you, you, they're working, recruiting for, right, is to have that amount of depth. Me, I like two in the rotation at running back. And last year, I'm like, okay, they're going three. I'll adjust my thinking. Three's okay. Now we're at five. It's kind of like, yes, man, I, I don't mind three at this point. That would be totally okay. And I think that will change depending on the opponent. Sure. Maybe I'm going to be proven dead wrong, but I would be stunned if all five had a role in the Ohio State game. Right. I would think that would narrow down against the Ohio States, the USC's. But maybe not, but I just, I'd be shocked to see five. If they can pull it off, then they're doing something that you don't see a lot in college football, playing that many running backs against the premier competition. I mentioned about the pass rush earlier. Is it going to show up against NC State? Here's Marcus Freeman on that part of the Irish squad. Our pass rush comes from so many different people, right? And, and not just the D-line, um, but the ability on third down to use some linebackers, Maris Leofow, Jalen Sneed, even J.D. Bertrand does a little bit of pass rush um, in our scheme on third down. So um, they've done a great job. They don't always accumulate to sacks, um, but, but our pass rush has, has been good the first two games. And like I talked about earlier, you got to be very smart rushing the quarterback this week. If you give Armstrong a lane, he'll take those yards and – Put your defense in a very, very tough spot. Finally, here is Marcus Freeman on the value of Sam Hartman having faced NC State three times. Yeah, I think he can he can talk to the entire team about the experience of playing um, at NC State um, and, and obviously to the offense about you know, what the real game will be like. And so there, there, I've always said there's no substitution for experience. And his experience, no matter good or bad, playing at NC State or playing against this defense uh, will be valuable this week. Well, Sam has been picked off three times in each of his last two games against NC State. Different offense, different personnel, but that is catches your attention. So do you think, Allison, his familiarity with NC State is a big deal for the rest of the guys in that Notre Dame locker room? Yes and no. I, I think, like you said, Ed, they're different teams, different. He's on a different team, so he completely has a different team entering in. More, I would be more concerned, but I think he can handle it. But is there a mental side of that where he goes, the last two times I've played them, they've sacked me six times, you know, so he knows that they're capable of that. Does that get in the head? Does that get in uh, Jared Parker's head when he's drawing up the game plan and he's calling the plays? So that I think is interesting to me here. Can I, if I can give you some stats, because yeah. I love stats. Okay. And so over the last three games that Hartman has played against NC State, 923 yards passing, mm-hmm. six touchdowns passing, one rushing touchdown, but... Six interceptions, and listen to this, 13 sacks in those games. Four sacks just last year alone, and they lost that game. He had great numbers last year, by the way, in that game where he got the three interceptions and four sacks. He also had 397 yards and two touchdowns, but you lost the game, so that's all that really matters. But the sacks, I think, is going to be the biggest difference because I think Notre Dame's O-line 
is stronger and can protect him better. So he doesn't have to have that same concern of, are they coming at me? Are they gunning for me? You could argue Wake Forest had better receivers last year than Notre Dame, but I think Mr. Hartman's going to enjoy being behind the Irish offensive line on Saturday compared to the group he had for Wake Forest last year. All right, let's take a quick timeout. We'll come back with our Twitter question of the day. Allison Hayes, Darren Pritchett with you on WSBT. Did you know there's a place where you can get good neighbor service and surprisingly great rates at home and auto insurance? Yep, and that place is, wait for it, Ta-da, State Farm. This is State Farm Agent Tim Growl. Here's the deal. Let me be your go-to agent for the service you deserve at the price you want. So stop shopping around and let me get you covered. Call me, State Farm Agent Tim Growl, at 232-9981 for your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And over premiums may vary. Applicants subject to underwriting. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960. WSBT. All right, it's time for our Twitter question of the day here on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. ABC 57's Allison Hayes, Darren Pritchett with you. So, yesterday's question was this Of these four Notre Dame Tennessee State game results, which are you most excited about? Backup quarterback Steve Angeli, second-half success. Clarence Lewis, a backup corner nickel with a 33-yard interception return for a touchdown. What about Jeremiah Love's 36-yard touchdown run? Or just in general, you got to see tight end production once again. Well, the votes are in. Allison, which of the four did you find most exciting or interesting? Well, I loved all four of those aspects of this game, but uh, if I have to choose one, I would say the tight end production. We saw zero receptions by a tight end against Navy, and they made up for it big time, especially, I mean, on that one drive, that one series where Sam Hartman put on a clinic absolute clinic by the way but uh, I thought it was great and I think that now on top of having uh, this loaded wide receiving room now you've got tight ends being productive again and getting back into that rotation once again it just creates another wrinkle to make this offense much more difficult to defend here are the results fourth place in the voting Clarence Lewis's 33 yard interception return for touchdown they got 2.4 percent of the vote Third place in the voting, 16.5% went with tight end production. Interesting. People become bored with the tight end. They always (laughs) catch passes, right? (laughs) All right. Second in the voting, I'm surprised by this. Only 22% went with Steve Angeli's second half success. That's important. That's possibly down the line. But everybody loves. A freshman (laughs) who can bring the fans to their feet. And at 59.1% was Jeremiah Love's 36-yard touchdown run. And as I mentioned to Allison during the break, if you watch the highlight of that play, it is left tackle Joe Alt all the way down the field helping Love get through those two defenders to get into the end zone. That is your left tackle with tight end speed, it seemed like, getting down the field to get involved in that play. That's why he's going to be a top 10 pick probably in the NFL draft. 
Well, we thank you for voting. And now you can go to my Twitter, X account, 960 Sportsbeat, and vote on this question today. After watching the Clemson-Duke game Monday night, which of these quarterbacks concern you the most when they face Notre Dame? And I have a feeling the opinion in the summer is going to be a whole lot different today. Yep. The three choices, Clemson's Cade Klubnick, Duke's Riley Leonard, or this week's quarterback, Brennan Armstrong of NC State. Which of these quarterbacks concern you the most when they face Notre Dame? So, Allison, which of the three for you Ooh, is the most sure concerning? I wasn't sure if I was going to get to answer this oh, one. Oh, absolutely. I, I would say that Duke's quarterback, Riley Leonard, I, I think because he was – it was more of a surprise, right? And I think Cade Klubnick played not as well as we thought, so he doesn't feel like as much of a threat, at least right now. Uh, Brennan Armstrong is still... I. I have concerns with his mobility and everything, but I just I don't feel like NC State is as good of a team overall. So I, I I'm I think Notre Dame will be able to handle that. I think that Riley Leonard kind of came out of nowhere for me, so that's why he's the biggest concern. And just in that newness and seeing that run that he broke off in the third quarter and the just the way they were able to change the momentum of the game, the electricity, the way he managed his team and ran everything, and his body size. I yeah. like the size of him at quarterback, too. And I think you touched earlier on he's projected now pretty high for the NFL draft. Yeah. I went into the season thinking NC State was better than Duke. And after one week, I'm not sure anymore. Yes. I'm not sure. I don't want to put all my eggs into one basket after one game, but is Clemson that bad? Or was it Duke making them look that right. bad? That's right. what we need to figure out eventually. Well, and sometimes things just kind of go your way also. That was a home game for Duke. They had the crowd. And then as one kind of positive thing after another was happening, I mean, you could just feel it. I can only imagine what it felt like inside the stadium. And then for them to rush the field and everything, you know, sometimes it's just kind of like destiny. And and that's kind of the beauty of college football, too, is you have that pageantry, you have that electricity, and it literally can change the game. I saw the uh, NC State head coach is like telling everybody to you got to if you got to set your alarm early if you do what you got to do if you got to stay the night at the tailgate spot the night before you make sure you're up and you're ready because they need that crowd to help them out in this game against Notre Dame Clemson and Florida State and North Carolina were the three ACC teams that voted against Stanford Cal and SMU getting into the ACC I have a feeling Stanford Cal and SMU will help Duke pay their fine for the fans rushing the field just to stick it to Clemson <laughs> after what they did to them. All right, you can vote on today's question on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. And as we wrap up this segment, Allison, once again, where can Irish fans find you on Saturday? You can find me in studio, ABC 57 kickoff. We will be live from 10 until noon, and we're taking you right up into kickoff of the game on our network, ABC. So it'll be a great show and, and a really great opportunity for us to, if you haven't watched us yet, it gives you a good reason to check us out now. And you can go back on all my social media platforms, and we are sharing uh, the YouTube links to okay. our 
previous shows. It's one of those things you can kind of almost have on in the background. And we just have great content. We have great features and great interviews with former players. We had Tim Brown on last week. Huge get for us. I talked with him about Tobias Merriweather mm-hmm. and about the Sam Hartman and the Heisman conversation and things like that. So uh, we just have a great show. So you don't want to miss it. Very good. Allison, good to talk to you once again this week. We'll do it again next Tuesday. Sounds good. That's Allison Hayes from ABC 57. I'm Darren Pritchett. Coming up, we have a sports update. The five players I want you to know about from the NC State roster. And Mike Singer talks Notre Dame football recruiting. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio. Brought to you by Budweiser for 13 years. Folds of Honor and Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families. Join United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at FeedIndiana.org. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's the family inn. Bethel University's Adolin Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for 75 years. By Legacy Heating and Air, ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett back with you on this Tuesday evening. We have the Marcus Freeman Show coming up at the top of the hour here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. But right now, we have to get you ready for Notre Dame and North Carolina State from Raleigh, North Carolina, Saturday at noon. Here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And to help do that, it's our My Five. The five players you need to know from the North Carolina State roster as they get set to host the Fighting Irish on Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Could have went several different directions with number five. But I went with a running back for NC State in this spot. His name is Jordan Houston. Last year, got 136 carries for 544 yards. He did not score a touchdown rushing. He did have a receiving touchdown. It seemed like they wanted to use him more against Connecticut last week in their season opener. He was the main running back. 13 carries for 57 yards. Now his starting quarterback ended up with more rushes and more rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. But it looks like they want to use Houston as their main running back this year. And if they want to control the ball game against the Irish, they're going to need their running back to be effective. We'll see if Jordan Houston can have a solid day against the Fighting Irish on Saturday. Coming in at number four is weak side linebacker Peyton Wilson. Wilson is the top returning tackler. From last year's NC State defense, Wilson last year had 82 tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, seven quarterback hurries. He had three pass breakups and an interception, a well-rounded weak side linebacker. This is Wilson's sixth season of college football, has a ton of experience 
with this NC State defense. Probably could have and should have been in the National Football League draft last spring, but there are injury concerns that pushed him back to college football, and the Irish will have to deal with weak side linebacker Peyton Wilson on Saturday. We're going through today's My Five, the five players from the NC State roster that you need to know about leading into the matchup with Notre Dame on Saturday. At number three, a pair of cornerbacks, Shaheem Battle and Aiden White. Battle, kind of like Cam Hart, a bigger corner, he stands 6'2". Battle last year had five pass breakups and two interceptions. Aiden White is six foot tall and he broke up nine passes last year and had four interceptions battle and white have something else in common they both have an interception with a pass thrown by sam hartman in their careers as we talked about earlier sam has thrown six interceptions the last two games against nc state And in his last three outings against NC State while at Wake Forest, he was sacked 13 times. I have a feeling the protection will be a little better on Saturday. But if the Irish wide receivers are going to get separation, they're going to have to do it against two veteran players who have shown to be very productive, cornerbacks Shaheem Battle and Aiden White. Number two. Coming in at number two is wide receiver Bradley Rosner. Now, why did I pick him? Because against UConn, he only had one catch for 14 yards. Well, this is a highly productive player who is a transfer from Rice. A lot of Power 5 schools were interested in his services. He ended up with the Wolfpack. Last year at Rice, 44 passes for 876 yards and 10 touchdowns. He was a threat to make a big play all the time with Rice. How about this? This will be Rosner's eighth college football season. Now, how do you get there? Well, he started in a junior college. Then after moving to Rice, he was granted an extra year prior to the 2020 season, giving him two years at that point. Now, 2020 did not count against anyone's eligibility because that was the COVID year. He then missed nearly all of 2021 with an injury. So he only had the chance to use one of those final two years of eligibility in 2022. And now he's back for which I'm assuming this is it. There's no more ways for him to continue on. Season number eight is with North Carolina State. Again, a threat for the deep ball and a pretty good playmaker at Rice, but was very quiet against Connecticut last week, one catch for 14 yards. Number one. And not a surprise who number one is, quarterback Brennan Armstrong. 4,000-yard passing season at Virginia a couple of years ago. Last year, different system, different coaches. His production basically was cut in half. And now Armstrong comes to NC State, reunited with his old offensive coordinator that helped him have that big year. At Virginia, Armstrong, a left-handed tosser of the football, fairly accurate. I thought he could have been better against UConn, but dangerous when he decides to run with the football. 19 carries for 90-plus yards 
and a couple of rushing touchdowns against UConn last week. Controlled pass rush is necessary, and you're going to have to account for Armstrong in the rushing game for NC State on Saturday. So the players that you need to know about from NC State, number five, running back Jordan Houston, number four, linebacker Peyton Wilson, number three, the corners, Shaeem Battle and Aiden White, wide receiver Bradley Rosner, number two, and at number one, quarterback Brennan Armstrong. 6.28 is our time. Coming up next, Notre Dame football recruiting talk with Mike Singer on WSBT. 6.34 at WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Let's jump right into some Notre Dame football recruiting talk with Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Mike, let's talk a little bit about last weekend. And even though the Irish were playing Tennessee State, the Irish had some visitors in town. That's talent and some uh, notable targets, notable recruits on campus. And I want to start with uh, Logan Saldate, Notre Dame's receiver commit from Northern California. Um, wait, I think it's Northern California at least. Let's see if Mike Singer just butchered that. Let, let's, let's make sure Salinas, California. It's a great, great radio here, Darren, but Mike Singer <laughs> needed to. All right. San Jose. Yeah. A little bit south of San Jose. So yes. Um, he flipped from Oregon State to Notre Dame over the summer without ever seeing campus, so it was important. I even I got to talk to him, and I'll find, I have the story at BlueandGold.com. I asked him, I said, hey, are you a little bit nervous going into were, – were you going into the visit? Because while all the communication with Notre Dame was great, you know, when you committed and then in the month afterwards or so, you're still nervous going into it, seeing them in person the first time. He said – he said it was a little bit of nerves, but also just so much excitement, and, and his visit really did go well. Um, Saldate got to bond with uh, fellow receiver commit Cam Williams from Chicagoland, so it was really good to get Saldate uh, on campus. And not a highly ranked guy right now. You know, the talent evaluators at On3 tell me that his ranking is going to shoot up most likely. So I keep a close eye on him. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up as an On3 four-star um, when this cycle is all said and done. And then, Darren, yeah, it, it just a, a like surprisingly strong recruiting weekend for Notre Dame considering Ohio State and USC are the big recruiting weekends. That's what Notre Dame is really pushing their top targets to come to. But, yeah, Tennessee State still had some, some solid names on campus. So now let's talk about three Notre Dame targets – who have some interesting tie-ins in terms of their family tree. Okay, yeah. So when I sent you the, the itinerary for what we're going to talk about today, yeah. I didn't really know how to word this. But you guys will pick up, you know, when, when we go through this, your names. So this was interesting. Jerome Bettis Jr. was on campus. I believe this was his fourth, rec- well, fourth trip to Notre Dame since he became a recruit. But this particular weekend – my understanding was not a recruiting weekend. He did not get to talk to the coaches. He was on Jerome Bettis senior business and not Jerome Bettis junior recruiting business. That, that makes sense. Now, what exactly that was, I don't know, but I know that uh, Jerome Bettis senior and Eddie George have, uh, you know, I mean, being the great running backs they were in that time frame of the, you know, the late nineties and early two thousands, I guess they're friends. So Bettis was on, yeah, Bettis senior you know, business and not the recruiting side of things. So he was at the game. 
Um, you know, he had pictures taken by, you know, Blue and Gold's Kyle Kelly and other reporters. You, you know, you could see uh, Bettis at the game, but it would have been a violation, I guess, if, if he would have spoke to the coaching staff. But still, Bettis Jr., who I'm predicting to end up at Notre Dame, was on campus and obviously kind of an interesting tie, notable tie with, with his father, obviously, being a former Notre Dame running back and a great one at that. Eugene Hilton, the son of P.Y. Hilton, Hmm. Uh, might make you guys feel old that, uh, you know, T.Y. Hilton has a son who is a junior in high school, does not have a Notre Dame offer yet, but my understanding is that Notre Dame is going to track him very closely this fall, and it would not be a surprise to see him pick up an offer, you know, maybe later this month, October, November, whatever it ends up being, Purdue, Ole Miss, Indiana, Kentucky, a few of the schools that I've offered in Wisconsin, West Virginia, Miami, um, has also extended the scholarships this 5'10", 170-pounder from Zionsville, Indiana. Um, so I want to say T.Y. is from South Florida, like the Miami area-ish, um, but obviously played his ball with the Colts and Eugene. Uh, and, and I guess they're, they're still based in, in, in the Indy area, so Eugene Hilton um, playing his ball at Zionsville. Here's an interesting one, Darren. Austin Alexander picks up an offer from Notre Dame Wednesday, decides, oh, I want to come up to visit Saturday. This is a 2025 edge, uh, a four-star prospect. By the way, if I didn't mention for your radio audience, Eugene Hilton is a wide receiver prospect. Um, and, and again, a good one at that. But Austin Alexander, 6'3", 215-pound edge, picks up an offer from Notre Dame last Wednesday, gets to campus. His father, Duran Alexander, was in the marching band uh, at Notre Dame and graduated from, from the uh, university in the late 90s. So another, again, talking about these interesting ties, the Bettis connection, um, Eugene Hilton's father, T.Y. Hilton, and then Austin Alexander's father, um, you know, graduated from Notre Dame and was a member of the Irish marching band. So um, Alexander, uh, a, a notable target now for Notre Dame in the 2025 class. So, um, and he had a really good visit uh, at, as well. And you can find the article on him at blueandgold.com. Quarterback position, 2025. I think there's still a lot to be determined in that position. So give us a little insight on Bear Backmeyer. Yeah, yeah. Pretty interesting football lineage with him. Um, his older brother, Hank Bachmeyer, was at Boise State, now at Louisiana Tech, I believe it is, as a starting quarterback. His, uh, the middle brother, Tiger, is a freshman receiver at Stanford and a pretty good one. So Notre Dame fans. You might see him on the field this year against the Fighting Irish. And then uh, Bear Bachmeyer, a four-star quarterback in the 2025 class from California, number 120, excuse me, 112 overall player, number nine quarterback nationally per the on three industry ranking. He is visiting Notre Dame for the Central Michigan game. So 2025 quarterback recruiting, Darren, is in a really interesting spot because you know Notre Dame's offered several guys. Um, but the board is essentially down to two, and it's Bachmeyer, and it's Deuce Knight from Mississippi, who has since, uh, you know, moved to Nashville um, to wrap up his high school career. I'm actually going to see Deuce Knight uh, this Friday night. They're playing Chattanooga, which isn't too far from me, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I could see both of these guys landing at Notre Dame. Bachmeyer is getting this. He's visiting Notre Dame this fall before Deuce Knight is. Knight, to my knowledge, is not locked in a Notre Dame visit. So it's, I really think it's a situation where Notre Dame is, is going to take the first. Whoever wants in between these two, you know, Notre Dame has been in a spot 
you know, previously in, in quarterback recruiting where they looked really good with a couple prospects and then they loved both, maybe had one a little bit higher on the board than the other and held out for that guy higher on the board. I don't think they're doing that anymore. Like they love Bear Bachmeyer, they love Deuce Knight. Which one do they like more? You know, I don't. I'm not going to speculate on that. But they'll they'll gladly take one of these two. Bachmeyer getting to campus for the Central Michigan game. He has a game that Thursday night, uh, and then I guess Friday we'll get up to South Bend, see you know Notre Dame, Central Michigan, and it'll be interesting. You know, kind of monitor what happens next in his recruitment how that, you know, with Deuce Knight, that elite prospect, how that affects him. I'm jacked up about this, Darren. I love, love, love good quarterback recruiting drama. So I am here for this 100%. Like, let's kind of see, you know, how this, uh, you know, ends up uh, taking shape. Mike, just from what you've seen on video, is this coaching staff taking a look at two quarterbacks who have similar traits, Deuce and Bear, or do they have enough differences where you can't say that Notre Dame is trying to get, you know, this A type of quarterback? You know, it's a great question, Darren. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not something I really talk to sources about to ask them that question. Okay. Because I think I know the answer. And the answer is it's best available. You okay. go get the best quarterback. I don't think they're like, oh, we want a pro style or we want a dual threat. I just think that that line of thinking is very like 2005. I think that nowadays, like, yeah, you're going to have some quarterbacks who are statues, but for the most part, all quarterbacks need to move, whether you're maybe not a Mike Vick, but you've got to be able to move some. And I think with Angeli can move some, Hartman can move some, Minchie can move some, CJ Carr can move some. Uh, I think Bear Bachmeyer might be the best athlete uh, in that entire group. Deuce Knight can really move as well. Um, so I think it's really just uh, who's who are the best quarterbacks in the country. Let's go after those guys rather than we want this specific. Now, does Gino Gadouli and that coaching staff have some qualities in a the quarterback they like? Sure. But I really think it's more about best available who or who are the best signal callers in the country rather than specific um, you know, types of quarterbacks, if that makes sense. Yeah. And one more follow-up question. I think being with you on these talks for a few years now, I tend to notice that once the top quarterback starts committing, then that domino effect starts because you don't want to be left out of, of the mix. you gotta, you got to find your spot. I assume we're not close to the top dominoes falling as of yet. The 25 board's still pretty wide open. Oh, no, dominoes okay. have been falling everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Notre Dame's offered eight quarterbacks, and I think one of them, I would say Notre Dame's kind of moved on from that recruitment and then – a few of the uh, what would that be five of the others have just committed elsewhere or yeah. eliminated Notre Dame so yeah there's definitely dominoes like Tennessee has their short list and if they get a commitment from a quarterback like that would impact some Notre Dame guys or Bama all across Auburn even like Deuce Knight has a lot of SEC schools of, of close interest so some of the dominoes have, have already taken place um, like Texas getting a quarterback commitment from a, 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 I forget his name, Notre Dame, but even offered him um, from Sarah Land, Alabama. And I think like Alabama was taking a close look at him. So like there's already some dominoes that have already started okay. to take place, but there are definitely more to take place moving forward. Mike, you had the chance to spend a little time watching a Notre Dame offensive line commit in Anthony Knapp. What stood out to you? 
Yeah, a really interesting player, Darren. Uh, Anthony Knapp from Russell, Georgia, got to see him and, and his team's blowout win. And it was, I mean, it was a really strong performance by his team. Was it at 6'4", 265? I believe when I checked out, when I watched him that night, I was like, he's listed at 6'4", 265. I do not see that. So as we are I'm talking right now, Darren, I'm going to look this up real quick because I talked to a source. Uh, 6'4", 278. Um, so he was playing left tackle, and then at times he would slide over to uh, the right side of the line to play on the end in an unbalanced line. Uh, and looked really good as a run blocker, finishing blocks. Um, you know, he, he got flagged for a holding. Uh, and then, you know, I think he kind of got surprised by the pass rusher on him. Uh, and, and then uh, he got called for a 15-yard sportsmanlike penalty for kind of backing up his running back who, you know, so he's kind of talking a little bit of trash, which I didn't think he, it was anything really bad. It was just the referee who was standing right next to him. You know, it's a learning moment for Anthony Knapp. Don't talk too much garbage when, you know, the, the, the ref is standing next to you. But overall, I was pretty impressed with him. Uh, he's got some nastiness to him, some grit to him. Pretty good-looking kid. I think he's got decent length for his height. I just don't see a tackle at the next level. Uh, I, I definitely see an interior player, center guard, um, pretty athletic interior guy like how he moves so you know i think he gets up to 300 pounds you know six four three hundred uh athletic again a really athletic player i think notre dame's got a pretty good one than anthony knapp and he is an outlier you know we talk a lot about on three's rankings and how oh they rank cj Carr and some of these guys so much lower than other websites well anthony knapp is the outlier in, in the positive direction for on three ranked as the number 184 overall player number nine in tier offensive lineman and then the other three major recruiting websites, 24-7 ESPN rivals, all have him ranked as a three-star. So big disparity. We're talking ESPN, 66 at the position on three, nine. Um, hmm. So, and, and Notre Dame loves him as well from what I'm told, Darren. There's just, while he might not have that elite size right now, the film, Notre Dame absolutely loves Anthony Knapp and believes it has a really good player on their hands. All right, Mike, thanks for hanging in with us. Greatly appreciate your knowledge, and we will talk to you again next week. And, of course, you can read more of Mike's recruiting information at Blue and Gold Illustrated. The website is blueandgold.com. Budweiser's weekday sports beat tonight brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, for 13 years, Folds of Honor. And Budweiser have provided life-changing scholarships to military families. Join United Beverage in raising a bud to raise funds for Folds of Honor. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, now with three locations to serve you, Barnaby's the Family Inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. September is Hunger Action Month. How will you choose to help end hunger? Learn more at feedindiana.org. By Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit betheluniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. By South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for 75 years. By Legacy Heating and Air, ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And by Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Well, we appreciate you joining us on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. My thanks to Allison Hayes from ABC 57 and Blue and Gold's Mike Singer. 
the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com. Eric Hansen will co-host the 5 o'clock hour with me tomorrow. Hope you'll join us then. But we have more Notre Dame football talk to get to. It is the Marcus Freeman Show coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 9. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 